0: Everybody and welcome to the thirty-third ever episode of Shut Up and Sit Down, the podcast—a podcast all about board games, card games, and all the other little wonderful little analog themes games you can take into your
1: house. What a day! I've got got the number thirty-three tattooed onto both of my calves to celebrate. That was a terrible idea. Where did you you get get the calves from? I bought them from a butcher. (laughs)
0: Wow, that was a, that was a re- that was a reach. That was quite the thing. Sorry, you mate. guys see,
1: they're, they're <laughs> currently trying
0: new uh, new cream to remove tattoos. They're I thought gonna... you were going to say to remove cows. <laughs> to remove cows, slather the cream on them. Paul, <laughs> I gotta I gotta tell you all about a game I've been playing. What is it? Uh, it's a game called Infinity. It's <laughs> Matt and I have actually both been playing this, so we're going to talk I, about it.
2: I tell you what, I have heard about it. I read about it on the Sharp and Sit Down website.
0: Yeah, it's good. We've got an f- incredible uh, new uh, Nebraskan writing about miniatures games for us. Eric. It was
1: uh, Eric Tongers. I keep hearing about that new Nebraskan. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's way better than the old Nebraskan we had. I don't know yeah. why we always need one, but we awful. do. Yeah, he's great. He, uh, he just he just turned in some perfect copy and I said, do you want to write for us? And he went, yeah. So he's going to do also an interesting game called Malifaux next time, which is super problematic miniatures, but kind of crazy weird Wild West. Horrible, weird cowboys hmm. running around. Ooh. But that's for the future. For now, we've got, uh, we've got Infinity. Paul, why don't you do a set of Parkinson's and ask me and Matt really difficult questions about Infinity?
2: Okay, are you ready? Here we go. So, when I was young and when I was <laughs> growing
1: up, there was Warhammer
2: everywhere. Uh, there's like, War Machine is around now. War Machine is doing pretty well. Eric wrote mm-hmm. about War Machine. Uh, I remember there being like a whole bunch of wargamey stuff, historical wargamey stuff, as well being around in the 80s when I was young. Why Infinity? Why should I play this sort of pseudo near future thing? I mean, it looks really like I have to buy lots of miniatures and stuff, like you've been buying buildings and bushes. We and, have. Well, yeah. Why? Why? This why? is the why?
1: same. This <laughs> is the same question that I asked actually before God, I started doing I went it. Went a bit wrong there. No, that was great. Why? <laughs> Why? Why is it really, William Shatner? It's a really good thing to shout repeatedly. It really is. <laughs> Why? Yeah, you know, I had a lot of fun with that as well. I might go in the garden and do that a bit more after we've finished. Anyway, um it is that is a big problem, and I mean, I'm only into <laughs> the, it. the question of why to do anything is generally a big problem. I struggle with it every day. Um, I mean, it's raining outside now. And okay, so what was it that I, I told, told you, you about, about Infinity soul. That uh, the thing you. you told me about infinity that coaxed me was we've already bought all the scenery. You won't have to do it, <laughs> <laughs> which, to be honest, was a really big draw for me. I yeah. think if you if you are somebody who has like a, a, a kind of like mysterious cellar or a garage or a dungeon where you have the room to just have like a, some boxes and a table that you can do this on and you've got a bit of disposable income. It's an amazing, fun thing to do and get your friends into and get them round. Like, I know growing up, my friend had a... His dad had, like, train sets in the cellar. Mm. So if you've got that kind of space, get rid of that train set nonsense. Get into Infinity. Or keep the train set and have your soldiers fighting over a train. on a train. It's almost Ooh. the same scale that's, if you squint. That's brilliant. But, um yeah, no, so it's... It's very enticing to get into if you don't have to deal with all that stuff. Unfortunately, all that stuff is also what makes the game brilliant. Okay, I would, uh, yeah, where I would
0: take over from this is, um, so in Warhammer or War Machine, um, what you've got is you buy, like, an army of, like, 40 steam-powered knights... I'm specifically thinking of War Machine here. And Paul, you bring over your 40 steam-powered knights and I've got my 80 worms. And then there's 80 worms fighting 40 steam-powered knights and we roll some dice. Ah, it's crazy. But the miniatures intrinsically are what's exciting about those games. Whereas Infinity, much more so at least. Um, You buy your miniatures and then you're able to create very interesting unbelievably thematic and evocative situations with them. Um, Purely because the bullets feel so real. You know, a flamethrower feels like a flamethrower. A gun that fires bullets is terrifying. So even the simple act of moving a guy from A to B... You have to ask the uh, the difficult question: Do you can you can you see him? And then your opponent will lean down to the table, get right down to eye level of the miniature, and squint through all your buildings and your forests and your you know whatever your, your trash cans, <laughs> whatever you've got on your table. And he can he's going to say, him, yeah. "I can see
1: him." And then he'll roll the dice, and you'll shit yourself. Yeah, Doing line of sight <laughs> by literally just actually looking and getting down to that right level and looking over the character's shoulder is very cool, and I love the way that the scenery as well. Uh, kind of adapts like like you're in a video game. It it weirdly really took me a while to get my head around it when we started playing it because I was just using the scenery like I would in, in any normal kind of tabletop game of just using buildings as things to hide behind. But then forgetting uh-huh. that like I can dive through windows. And then hey, say if I've dived through a window into the second floor of the building, then I would just maybe so I can see what's going on, just take temporarily take the other floors off the top of it so you can see inside the room. So it does that kind of neat thing of being like, oh, you're in a building, so now let's give the view of inside the building. And you do that just by taking like these stacks of... like, you know, Take two floors off the building and just put yeah. them to one side so you can have a better look at the room and where you are. And getting into that kind of 3D space sense of being able to move around inside these things and use them for cover or tactical advantage is... Kind of overwhelming at first, despite the fact that actually I kind of lied earlier when you said like, well, I didn't lie, but when you said, what (laughs) What? I'm a liar. When you asked me what got me into it or what got me enticed, it's probably just that you said, look, it's basically XCOM, but with miniatures. Mm. And I love XCOM. And it really does feel a lot like XCOM in the fact that you just have these cool men and women with interesting abilities, and you send them out, and then they just get shot and killed immediately. Like they get, they things die so quickly. Um, and you, the only thing that doesn't die quickly is your really good stuff. But guess what? The other person wants to kill your really good stuff as quickly as possible. So it's sort yeah. of this. F- in terms of how long it takes to play, it's not that fast. But it, in terms of how few things happen before everyone's dead, it feels incredibly fast. There's yeah, hmm. bursts of skirmishes. Um, but where your tactics always go slightly wrong because it does that kind of x wing thing of you being like... <laughs> like The one, the only thing you play once, and I had a point where I thought, I'm going to use the rest of my actions to sprint my guy across the map, jump up behind him, and shoot that guy in the back. And then I started doing it, and it wasn't until my like second to last turn that I still thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to get this far. <laughs> and then it was like, oh no, I've just spent all of my actions doing something which is completely pointless and now I'm going to die. It's um,
0: it's really interesting and cross-disciplinary in that respect that you're kind of trying to gauge distances with thinking about what does your opponent want to do with trying not to make stupid plays because... Because they're just there? Like if you can shoot a man in the back with a machine gun, well obviously well you, you want to do that. Well maybe you don't, because maybe then someone else will turn around and that'll be... Sorry, Paul,
2: we've 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 no. for at least five bit ask us another question. It's fine. I was gonna say so, uh, does it feel very different because of the scale then? Because it's it's more of a skirmish game, isn't it? It's not about armies, it's about like small squads of people.
0: Yeah, so the difference there is that um and this is one of the big selling points of the game, especially so in a game where okay, so you get your yeah, you know get you get your blister pack and then you painstakingly assemble this thing with super glue and pliers and you file off all the bits with a beautiful model and Infinity does have the most beautiful little tin soldiers in the business. Um and then you you put him and you assemble him, then you paint him, and then you read what he does and then you put him on the battlefield and then he gets for example, sniped immediately or Maybe he sneaks around the back and then unloads two shotgun barrels into uh, some kind of dude with a jetpack. Like, you fall in love with individuals in Infinity. Like, it's every sort of turn, every move you make is kind of a little story because it's so personal and so human. Like, obviously, a space marine dying in Warhammer or any number of, like, big games won't feel like much. And people will always talk about the big plays they make, you know, with a hero and a hero runs a... That is every single play in Infinity. It's, yeah. It's it's so human when someone gets shot it's always a tragedy when someone hits someone else with a bullet from across the map it's always like pumping your fist in the air and being like wow he did it that one person or she did it she you know threw a grenade into a tiny
1: window from like 80 yards away (laughs) although actually i will say that like i one of the things i'm not that fond of is that like a great deal of the female characters in that game mm. are like really embarrassing like just really like I mean I, I, I had one in my box where I was like I don't want to play with this character and actually I ended up just like getting some more characters just so I didn't have to have it because the rest of them look amazing and then uh, the woman you get in the base set for the Nomads is just doing this that kind of that kind of weird walking arched back thing that's just like a kind of comic book cover thing that just goes oh, yeah. spines don't do that like that's not how bodies work and it's just it just sucks it's like one of these things where it's like why couldn't everyone else just looks like badasses in armor with guns why couldn't the women have just like badasses in armor with guns as well like it just seems to me like a weird stretch to try and make these strange characters fit into a world where like they just don't um but anyway i mean it's it's a minor beat but it's it sort of it's not minor it's like it's enough to put entire people like well entire. it's enough for me to have like a, in my starter set like have a unit that I just don't want to use and it's enough for there's like a couple of units that people have said in guides for nomads oh this unit's really good and I'm like I'm not buying that I'm not having that like especially and I think it's because there is a lot of as you say there's ownership of these things you know you yeah. guys these rough models and you really do have to like if you want to do a good job of them you have to often get pliers and file and Take a lot of time to craft these things and then paint them and make them look really good. And you do, as you say, you you feel a great deal of ownership for these. You feel very proud of your, your unit. And some of them, I just look at them and I'm like, nah nah don't want that like I don't want to be the person who somebody comes around to my house and goes what's this and I'm like oh yeah I spent like five hours painting it people be like oh, you're a, why you're a, weird, <laughs> yeah. you're, a, you're a creepy guy dude Matt
0: why are you you're a creepy guy um, I mean it's the fact that I mean yeah, yeah, I, I look, some kind of horrible future soldier wearing like what appears to be a thong like, yeah. sticking out of her armoured trousers. Like, that's, that's bad, boring. but let's not forget, you have to hold it, and you've got to paint that thong. You're yeah. going to have to fill it in with, like, whatever. You have to decide on the colour of the thong. I will say that the the developers have gotten better recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, there's still an awful lot of it
1: out there, and it's still... Something that if you aren't expecting it can really make you wince. It's a shame. Uh, but it's it's not too hard to avoid. But it's one of those things where when you find yourself having to avoid having any women in your group, it's that's that's like <laughs> that's a different kind of problem. Yeah, yeah. I do want this. Uh so you're jumping from one problem to another. But um yeah, I, I do I do really love the way that um I kind of took a weird approach to it rather than like learning how to play the game. I just jumped in cause I love the models and thought, okay, cool. I'm just going to buy these things. And I've only played one game and we met up on the other weekend uh, to play. And I just didn't get time to play cause I had to leave. And I wasn't really bothered cause I'm still having such an amazing time just putting together my little men. And then when we did play, I had this amazing thing of, I'd already fallen in love with these characters. And then Quinn's was telling me what they could do. And mm. I was like,
3: Ooh. <laughs> I mean, like that guy you the...
1: like with the cape he can put mines down and Matt's like what yeah it's just like this guy oh he's amazing and it's yeah you f- you feel like you're really rooting for them and having this this amazing squad it of is dudes. like a team of it's
0: like it's like a, watching a sports team run around and do their thing where everyone has different roles um,
1: um, and I, I know also though, I, I don't know how I because I haven't played it enough to know how this feels but I know that one of the guys we play with has already started like buying quite a lot of extra bits and bobs because he wants them for specific loadouts and ideas but I kind of feel like I've, I've spent maybe 60 quid on a bunch of stuff and then I'm probably done for a while. I had an interesting thing in in terms
0: of that. Uh, I I probably represent a different part of the sphere of our audience. Whereby I just hate painting. I don't enjoy painting at all. But my friend does. And I tell you what, if you don't like painting like me, I recommend sitting with a friend who does like painting and getting them to teach you all the secret, t- like washing and dry brushing, which are two terms you will very quickly learn. And then you'll be stuck at how good your models look suddenly and uh, then you'll
1: do it forever oh wow so infinity is good yeah I found that really sweet the way that you've gone from being like I have no interest in painting whatsoever to actually then just spending an afternoon with us really really getting a real thrill off painting stuff yeah. and you were just wow. like <gasps>
4: <That's laughs> watching
1: these things come to life and being like wow this is so cool it and turns out well it's because if you don't believe you can do something yeah, and then suddenly you can. well there are, there are, the thing about painting miniatures is there are like real tiers of like ability and what you can do with them and like I'm alright um, but I've seen some people can do stuff and I'm just like, <laughs> like but it's always a bit depressing when you see other people who are like kind of doing things at the next level above what you can do but as you found out out. like actually you can make stuff look especially robot things you can make them look awesome just with some really basic abilities like just like shading and like highlighting um it's, yeah. It, I, I like it a lot. Expect expect sporadic. I mean we'll we'll almost certainly do some kind of battle report on the
0: site. Yeah, Ooh, I mean definitely. Really? I mean I am sure we will. And yeah, like, we did it for Armada, because like sometimes with miniatures games, you want to show them to people to really see all yes. these parts moving because they're such uh, physical like it's a big plastic toy. It's a it's a toy soldier. You're moving around on a table, and you know, that's obviously not gonna to appeal to some people, but it's such a thing you like to see in motion. Yeah, you know? once we've painted all of our all of our dudes. Once I've made my little snowy Arctic base from the thing. Oh my god. <laughs> spent an unfathomable amount of
2: money so on the So would this but, be like a much, much tinier version of uh memoir Overlord or something? Uh how do you mean? Uh rather than enormous armies clashing, it's about twelve people shooting at each other?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh it, it is about that. It's
1: almost exactly twelve people. And then when one of them dies, you go, No I guess we'll work it out once we got to the point where we've got like things are a bit more in play, and I'm I'm looking to spend some time to actually seriously get into the painting and it is funny how like I think it's a really uh, you know lots of people when they discuss these sort of things they discuss the painting and the playing as being two separate things yeah um, and I think that's because a lot of the people who like myself used to go into Warhammer found that they um in fact everyone I talk to uh when I say oh yeah they say "Oh, I lo- loved Warhammer when I was a kid when I'm telling them I'm doing this stuff they go, oh I loved Warhammer but then they always say the same thing as me, of being like, actually I just really like painting them, but I did when I tried to play it, I didn't really like it. And at yeah. the time I thought it was just because I liked painting and I didn't like playing the games as much. But actually I think it was just that Warhammer was an overly complex game. It's, and it's fit-ly not a good game. game. It wasn't that good. Not. Whereas Infinity turns out is, you can have both. It's you like can have here's both. an incredibly deep tactics game. And going back to XCOM and video games, it's funny how in recent years people, like games developers, have really caught on to the fact of being like, oh, if you have characters and you allow people, players to take the time to customize their characters, mm. they will be much more attached to them. And it's like yes. there's no greater level of customization than spending five hours, like just, well, you know, that's fair enough, but, <laughs> but spending hours, like just, just painstakingly painting them because you you have to focus on all the details. You're like, what's that? You were like going nuts because you're like, there's some tiny pockets on this guy's. Are they pockets? What are they? Like, yeah. And you, you realize the level of attention that the, the sculptors have You get to know that. them very intimately. And my, my pink robot has a spectacular bottom.
0: He does, he does. <laughs> he really. I, there are some amazing thighs in, mm. in my U, my ching army. So that's that's more than enough time talking about Infinity, considering we're going to be talking about it uh, in future. But, Paul, you've played another quite competitive game that a lot of people write into me and they say, G- guys, when are you going to cover Battlecon? And I say, I don't know, man.
2: <laughs> but now you've played it, so I can I say this is our coverage. Battlecon, uh, Devastation of the Indines, is that correct? I think that's yes, correct. Yes, it's correct, and it's the worst name
0: ever. So Matt, you know actually, what? wait, wait, we can test this. Matt, okay. what do you think of when you hear Battlecon, colon, devastation of the Indines? <laughs> well, all I can say is that ever since I
1: heard that said about two seconds ago, I've just been quietly laughing to myself. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> so yeah, it's pretty awful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh,
2: and you know what? It immediately actually put me off. That it sounds like, you know what it sounds itself. like?
1: It sounds like a made up name of something in a comedy series. Like it sounds like a made up name of a game from South Park or something, you know? Devastation
0: of the indines. Devastation
1: I just, of the Indyne. I just think about
0: devastation of intestines, like you've had a really spicy curry or something, and it's all going wrong.
1: Oh, God. Anyway, yes. Um, <laughs> yep.
2: if, if I'm correct, there was, or I think it's devastation of indines, not okay. even of the indines, just of, and that sounds more awkward. Hmm. But there, I think there was one a few years ago. There's another one coming, I think, called What's even an indine? What's an indine? I, <laughs> again, I just, I don't know. He doesn't know. What I do know... <laughs> is it's uh it's a it's trying to mimic 2d fighting games like Street Fighter where you have uh, two characters and they move back and forth across a plane and they punch each other uh, <laughs> and they have special powers and it actually does it quite well yeah you have this um almost like a ladder you have this track on the board where you and your opponent's character will move back and forth along the track you have a uh, a pretty small deck of something like about 10 cards, which are 10 cards, powers. that's it? Yeah, 10, 12, something like that. And you combine two of them every turn to form right. some kind of attack. And it's usually like a combination of a movement and striking. And some of these have higher or lower initiatives, so they go first or they go second. And because the decks are very small and they cycle very quickly, if you don't already know your opponent's powers, you learn them very quickly, which is good. Hmm. Because you're constantly trying to think, do I want to hit the person first? Do I want to wait until they move and then I strike them? Or, you know, this turn, am I basically, am I going to step back two spaces this turn? Because they'll do a tremendous attack and then they'll waste that attack. I think I took a look at this
0: a while ago because the attacks all have ranges, right? So if you step back, then their ridiculous grapple isn't going to do anything.
2: Yeah, and then they've lost that for like the next four turns or something. And it works quite well actually i don't know if i'm a great fighting game person i don't know if this is a this is a game that i want to play a lot but it's a game that i thought was mechanically interesting and i thought it was well executed the friends of mine who like it really like it like Hmm. they, they they feel it just works for them um it's a way to bash someone in a board game really you know in a really exciting way uh and there's sort of there's more there's whatever the next one is that's coming out this year, I think
0: the sequel um, or like an expansion.
2: Uh, it's called Fate of Indines, and um, I don't know. If but a huge but, but wait, I Indines has it's... already
1: been devastated. Flip off with your Indines. <laughs> this is a, this is a major bugbear of mine. Is when people just. It's like the the kind of branding equivalent of trying to make fetch happen, of being like, well, well, if we just use this word word that we've made up, it's this idea that it legitimises it, of being like, oh, yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? It must be a thing. The worst for this, I remember, it's a video game, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. And I remember (laughs) the EA were always, this is video game stuff, but Electronic Arts were always very adamant that the game was actually called Reckoning. Just call it Reckoning, because Kingdoms of Amalur is just the like it's just the world it's in. It's like mark- and forcing like, marketing down there's your gonna throat. be There's going to be loads of Kingdoms of Amalur games. They're like, oh, this is just the first one. It's an important kingdom. And it's the same with this Amalur. Indines. Indines. It's just like, stop it. Like, stop I'm using so these things. To, I'm so um, sorry.
0: Uh, He's, Matt has turned a shade somewhere between
1: uh, oh my Brimson God. and beetroot. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. Reven- oh, uh
0: what was your favourite Indyne in the game?
2: Stop saying Sorry, what was your favourite character? Uh, I, I, I feel I just feel even worse now. Uh um there was a because guy you... and okay. he had a
0: sword. A sword? That seems like an unfair thing to have in a fight. So but- is, is this like soul caliber?
2: People have weapons? Uh well sometimes you have some someone like uh an assistant, like a tiny one of the characters has a sort of a tiny creature that becomes a, a peroxy. Uh, way for them to hit you, which is incredibly annoying. Here's the thing that I found pretty impressive about it, is every character does feel different. And the first mm. character I played is kind of a learner character. And I did okay, and then I tried a different character, and I thought, well, this guy's interesting, because he puts down tokens on the board, and the tokens do things. They're basically like Oh, like, like little traps. sort of
0: mines or traps yeah. on, the, on the different spaces on the board?
2: But you have to sync them up appropriately with sort of the right kind of time, otherwise you end up stepping on your own trap. <laughs> uh, and I was not actually very good at being him. And he, each character does play differently. Some of them are fast, and they uh, they might do less damage, but they're less forgiving if you make a mistake with them. Uh, some of them require you to really know your deck very well and cycle and time your attacks very well. Um, and they, they actually feel different, and they work differently, and that means they work differently against each other and that was one of the things that was I thought was interesting about it. it means that it does work well as a fighting game is you get different characters and they work well together
1: i mean i can't yeah i can't see why a fighting game wouldn't translate really well to a board game in the fact that really if you have the ability to play uh, a kind of fighting game it, that's all it is it's just each of you taking turns to do actions whilst trying to suss out what the other person's about to do yeah. and trying to trick the other person into thinking you're about to do something else and feigning and all this stuff. And that's all it's about. But the problem with fighting games is unless you have the ability to play these things at that rate, at that speed, mm. you just cannot do it. Whereas, like, actually, people have always tried to tell me, people over the years have been like, oh, you should really try and get into Street Fighter and stuff. I can't. I just can't. I can't keep up with the pace. I don't have the time to learn. Whereas... They always try and sell it to me because they understand that actually underneath it all, once you can keep up with that pace, the back and forth of bluffing and feigning and tricking your opponent and trying to not be tricked by them is really exciting and interesting. So actually, yeah, it sounds like a cool thing. So there you you have it. If you want to spend, you know, like,
2: how much is it, Paul? Like £20, 20 dollars? It's uh, over here It's about, I think think it's about forty dollars, which okay. is probably about twenty-five pounds, I wanna so, say. so uh, if you I if you want to spend
0: off. forty dollars on a on a on a nice little f- card fighting game, uh, BattleCon is there for you. And if you want to spend somewhere in the region of uh, four hundred dollars on a pretend town, <laughs> uh then you should buy Infinity. Ooh, a, can a thing die I think I should it.
2: say about it actually is uh, I think the one that's coming the thing that's coming next is a separate box that's self-contain it's kind of like Dominion whereby you have everything in a box to play the game, but you can combine the different boxes of stuff. Uh, so it's like 10 new characters or something? 10 new characters, but you could buy the new box self-contained and oh, it's wow. not an expansion. But you the could bat- buy all of them and combine all of them if you want to do loads of punching, which you might. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm Con- not going to judge
0: you. Industry must be so excited. Uh... Big punches. And coming up next... <laughs> I just remembered where I was going with this. Uh, we have uh, a nice little cheeky interview coming up next. I'm going <sighs> to take the choice snippets from an hour I spent with Christian Peterson, who's the CEO of Fantasy Flight Games. Ooh,
2: never heard of them. What do they do?
0: Uh, they make uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything everything to do with Game of Thrones. They make mm-hmm. the card game, the board game, the TV show,
1: and the books. Okay. Uh, so they're very good. Great guys. Great guys. Good stories. Nice swords. What do you got for us, Christian?
4: I'm eating breakfast. I'm being ambushed by a British and American journalist in a, in, a, in a hidden room somewhere in the deep in the vaults of the Metropole.
0: Okay, so the first thing I wanted to ask you um, is that uh, when we first started shut up and sit down in the back of Twilight Imperium 3rd right. uh, edition, you had that amazing uh, passage about sort of like where you thought... How you feel the board games industry had changed and what you were doing with the third edition. Right. I wondered if you, go, if you could uh, sort of update us on uh, where the board game industry is now and where you think it's going from your perspective.
4: Wow. So, so, at, so at that time, um, I think the uh, game that was very influential to me uh, that sort of combined uh, a mechanical... Um, direction, a thematic direction, and a component called direction was probably the Game of Thrones board game first edition, which came out about two years, year and a half before Twilight Imperium third edition did. And in fact, in 2005, we came out with uh, Twilight Imperium third edition. We came out with Arkham Horror. Uh, we came out oh, with, was that the same year? The Same year. We, and then we came out with Descent: Journeys in the Dark. And we came oh, wow. out. wow! And and we came out with uh, the World of Warcraft uh, big a big big, uh, big, yeah. big adventure game. It was a major year for us to that and uh, and, uh, and because we really had said this, we now kind of figured out how to do these. Narrative games with a, more of a mechanical elegance than have been done before. Well, um, do you
3: think that previously um, the narrative element of the theme was treated as something that was sort of separate or disposable or optional? And that's, you know, I still hear a lot of board gamers say, like, oh, I'm not into the theme games, you know, I just want, right. a, good, I would just want a good game. But I think for me as an outsider who's fairly new to the space, looking in, it seeming like that integration is much more natural and much more widespread and, and may in fact even have sort of begun with these initiatives being important to you.
4: Yeah, the, the, uh, in the past, uh, I think if you look at what we call American games in the past, mainly coming out of people like the the war games um, companies, Avalon Hill and SPI and so on, they were trying to do narrative games. They were trying to do games where you were delving into the decision-making of a general or a adventurer or um, so, so some kind of a complex uh, series of, of mechanisms that, that allowed you to pretend that you were a general, pretend that you were a, 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 a Russian general, a Russian administrator, of some kind um, but they were very complex games they, they, they were very very detailed they were what we call simulationist and so the, the challenge was to take this notion of simulation uh, and uh, typically a phase structure where you would do 16 different phases uh, and, and, and you do all of them at, at once, right? And you would do them while waiting for you to do your stuff. Uh, and then I would do my 16 phases and, and then that, that would go back and forth. And that was really, I mean, it was, at the time, was was, was really fun and excellent because we didn't have any alternatives. The German games uh, from the late middle to late 90s came out and showed us all sorts of cool ways we could do it. And the idea was to sort of say, can we take these kind of immersive experiences that before was really very simulationist and bring the mechanics um, a little bit more towards the side of simplicity, but yet achieve those same kind of hard decisions. So it seems um,
0: like uh, the big change, and this hadn't occurred to me, was a shift from simulation to story.
4: Yeah, but I think I think when...
3: And the way that the story was integrated, I think...
4: I, um, Uh, Yeah, but I I think that people who were trying to do simulation weren't largely trying to build story, uh, but they were just doing it by by, by trying to have the mechanics be as realistic as possible, Um, something that really, oh, that would really make sense because such-and-such tank would only move such-and-such so far or... or, um, you could only feed so many soldiers, you know. Uh, you know, at, at such and such time, um, where we try to sort of can can we protect the idea that they are important simulations that feel like I have an, have invested something in the game, but make the decisions a little simpler uh, to actually bring give you more time to role play, give you more time to, to you know to have fun with it rather than get get so buried into the minutia. Yeah. Now, yeah, I mean, most of the games that we've ever put out is 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 comes out of our own desire to have this thing. To play these things. To, to, for these things to exist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that does really, um, that 's really that 's really the, the core of it I mean back when we when we did the sent journeys in the dark that there was nothing out there. there was no Warhammer quest there was no hero quest there was no nothing it was a, it was a wasteland yeah. there was no hero uh, moving around caverns beating up monsters leveling up heroes uh, experience at all uh, and so we we sort of look at the hemisphere of stars that is that is the game publishing and, and we look at if there are any attractive empty spaces <laughs> and we hope there 's no black hole there. We hope we can put our star there that doesn't, get su- <laughs> it doesn't get sucked up into the uh, into the abyss
3: what do you think about- About board game design as a field that people are participating in now, and and the work that's being done, is there, is is it saturated? Is there a career arc for people? Do you expect? Are you getting way more resumes than ever before?
4: Well, we certainly are getting more resumes than ever before, but I think that 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 maybe relates more to how uh, much our industry has grown overall. there, There are many more people being introduced to the games, and by many more people being introduced to the games, the fact that games introduced. By their very nature, introduce themselves to others mm-hmm. uh, is is a very helpful way to uh, to, to to have our industry grow. You know, you know, fundamentally, great product that introduces itself to others virally yeah. will uh, have a positive effect. Uh, you know, barring any outside major factors, uh, uh, negative factors, and I think that's really what's happened to our industry in the last uh, five. Six, eight years, is it a number of positive influencing factors such as a bunch of Pokemon kids, you know, growing older, yeah. you know, a bunch of D and D fathers having kids in, being introduced to games too, and that the fact that the industry has just grown has just created an aspiration mm. for for more and more designers saying, "I want to participate." You know, I have a there's a there's a there's a catalogue. For the show we're at, we're at the UK Game Expo here, and there's a there's a you know the, the con the con catalog or the or the, or the con what's it called or the con magazine, yeah. and I was browsing through that the other day, and there's a two ad two page spread for a Chinese board game manufacturer, you know in there, I mean that's that's uh, that, that's pretty incredible, you know it it really shows that somebody out there are uh, are appealing to people's creative nature to make something. Mm.
3: What well, a, how do you become a board game designer today?
4: Well, <laughs> uh, I, I will say that I'm glad I started when did, uh, yeah, cause, well, cause actually, a, I did because it was say, a more. How
3: did you get into the industry? I'm sorry if this is known and I don't know, but I'd love to know. Sure,
4: sure. Um, I, I will, I will. Uh, I'll try to answer the other question first, sure, uh, yeah. and, and then then I'll come back to that. The the, uh, in terms of my advice today, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Actually, to be honest <laughs> with you, I mean the, the the obvious route is is Kickstarter. How do
0: you end up hiring junior designers at Fantasy Flight?
4: Well, we uh, we go on our website and we say looking for a junior designer, <laughs> uh, and and then and then uh,
3: yeah, and then what's the process like? They come in and they bring you paper prototypes that they've made, or oh, you-
0: I heard us. St- I uh, I talked to um, one of your colleagues who um told me yes, you have the some of the fun game design tests that uh, uh, during as part of the employment
4: process. Yes, I mean so so as an example, uh, a couple of things we do is that we will interview designers, and I don't actually do that. I'm mostly Corey will will actually interview the designers themselves, but I do know we have a couple of things that we. Uh, that we do ask them to do. We, we ask them to comment on designs. We ask them to explain mechanics. Uh, one thing we do do is we, is we ask them to, uh, in a test while they're there, to write the rules for Roxas's papers, um, which is uh, something that was invented by a gentleman named Jeff Tidball quite, quite, quite a long time ago. But the idea to to explain uh, something that's pretty simple in a simple way is actually much harder said than done. Yeah, uh, and it actually
3: requires a incredibly deep knowledge of the yeah. thing you're trying to discuss and, and an awareness of what causes people to yeah. access
4: it. Yeah, and there's actually many times you realise that after the day, you know after a couple hours and then turning the rules that they sort of forgot to to, to so, well what happens when you get two two papers? You know, it's like what's the you know what happens and and, and they said sort of, oh I, f- I forgot about you know yeah. the, the, the sort of the thinking through all of those the, those different side conditions, which accounting of
3: course for every player question accounting for every
4: right. I mean, yeah, that, that's right. And in today's environment, if, if there's some sort of an obvious obvious omission, even though if you haven't noticed it, other people certainly let you know very fast <laughs> on your message boards, or, or on mine, or on Board Game Geek or TrickTrack Track that that oops, there was a mistake here, and you should be terrified. Yeah. Uh, the main so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of onus on us to to make sure that everything is as airtight as possible. Okay,
0: and just quickly yeah. though, what <clears throat> when you're uh, in the application process, what are you looking for on CVs before you
4: go
3: into a? a you're trying, trying to get a
0: job. <laughs> no. But I, I
3: bet a lot of people uh, listening are interested. in We curious. have
0: a lot of designers sure. on the site. Not, not, I'm not going to send them all to Fantasy Flight, but I think they'd be very curious to know what kind of skills they should be
3: developing. Yeah, these yeah. Are the conversations that are yet being started in this. The
4: the the, 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 most important thing, and this is a, this is a gentleman who used to work for us, is a great designer named Jay Little, and and his his key mantra is rush to prototype. Uh, so many designers, yeah. so many designers dance around the subject and have great ideas, and and, and they talk about the designs and the concepts or whatever, and the they haven't taken a leap into actually uh making a physical manifestation, a uh, tested for this physical manifestation of what they do. So one thing that, that we look for are maybe people who have actually taken that extra step because we actually, sometimes we actually say that writing the rules for a game is 80% of the work. Uh, and, and somebody who's never written a rule booklet before haven't really understand how difficult that is. And it is very, very hard because everyone wants something different out of a rule booklet. Somebody wants a reference. Some, somebody wants a, a an easy easy explanation of how how the game works. Somebody wants a complete, comprehensive, airtight uh, rules. So somebody just wants to... Yeah. To oh, not read them until they need them. Yeah. It's
0: um, been insane uh, play, Obviously we we play a lot of Netrunner. Um yeah. I was that? just in nationals yesterday and uh how did you do? He
3: actually came top eight
4: uh, in the entire UK. Oh, so you're going to go on top eight today? No, no, no.
0: I I, oh, the, the tournament ended last night. It ended, okay. Okay, okay. By saying he came what, top what, eight, he, he is came, very he came, sweet. He came, he came well, congratulations. He out of
3: 140 Thanks. people in the United Kingdom.
4: Well, anyway, that's awesome. Yeah, well, with, well, a,
3: with an uncommon deck type. Sorry. <laughs>
4: Thanks. <laughs> All right. We have a fan here. We have seeing, a fan. Seeing <laughs> the evolution
0: of um, uh, Netrunner's rules and seeing um, uh, Lucas that's like a struggle with all the hilarious legally stuff that has come out since the games and launched.
3: people are asking him these questions before they're even playing with the cards because they see a card and something occurs it's to them,
4: living living card games and TCGs are some of the most notoriously difficult uh, games to to uh, well they're af- they're practically impossible to actually keep airtight because everything you're doing uh, when you're evolving in the game is trying to basically break the game you know <laughs> so, so, so you're, you're basically you're basically you are basically Creating a sense of uh, a sense of instability in the whole in the whole um, integrity of the game uh, to moving forward and, and that's what people find exciting.
0: When you come into work, uh, mm-hmm. what are your stresses on a given day? What is it that uh, in this in this amazing game, this <laughs> company that produces all these beautiful pieces? What what's tough about your job? What are you worried about?
4: It, it's changed a lot over the years. Uh, I mean, I'd I, love to hear how. It's I mean, going. I think uh, you know, I I, I, I think um, most of my work, uh, I am a um... Started from a company, basically one person, and now we're about 150 almost. Right. Um, well, well, thank you. The 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 um, most of what I do is probably pretty mundane. It's probably what you imagine most companies have to do with. Uh, with and stamps on papers yeah, yeah and we desk. yeah <laughs> we, we have we have I mean just just having had, had to learn how to how to manage and to um, create a, a, a nice place to work and and, and, to, and to create a, a place that that allows people to be creative and, but and yet directed um to to allow a place that that is that is that, that is productive uh, you know and quite serious about our work but also fun uh is is, is a very a challenge every day uh, and and dealing with uh dealing with tons and tons of amazing people you know when you put one hundred and fifty people together there 's always going to be you know some, somebody wants to go one direction or the other and and so there 's a lot of administration you know a lot of uh, a lot of things that we do every day. So, what, what stresses me out the most, I guess, is to try to to uh, deliver the message of who, who we are and what we're doing uh, in a way that's, that's exciting and compelling to 150 as it was to 10. Uh, and that, 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 is, that, is, that is a big challenge. Um, you know, we do a lot of different products and we have a lot of people that work just terribly hard. Uh, and um, it's hard for me to to, to go and uh, you know and be with them every day and pat them all on the back saying so we're you you are you are you are part of the ship and we're heading towards the you know towards, towards a distant galaxy of fun yeah. uh, and, and, uh, and and I wish I could uh, and that that's really one of my challenges is just to build management and build communications uh, you know and build a sense of mission. But six years ago something shifted when 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 I became almost as excited about creating databases we use internally to track projects, uh, than, than I did about designing new games. Yeah. Uh, and, but because uh, it's it's a
3: uh, uh, the database yeah. is fun though.
4: <laughs> they are, well, are they, are they No, they're kind of boring looking. I mean, maybe we should change that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should make maybe them more fun every, looking. Uh, <laughs> you know, certain
3: types of products should have like an elf picture, and others should have an orc picture. Or you know. Right. You watch them. The combat occurring in the background. Okay. Well,
4: sure. see, this is the kind of advice we need, you yeah. know, to make that to make the place I'm more available fun. Available for consulting. Yeah. No. Yeah, everything looks everything looks uh, you know internally looks uh, looks terribly efficient. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. And uh, but this it is something when you when you're trying to communicate it's, it's something as complex as making games across a significant amount of people and amount of project. Like we do, we start something like that. This year, we expect to start something like one thousand eight hundred printing projects. Uh, and so you imagine that if you divide that by number of working days in the year, that's something like six or seven new printing started every day. Wow. Um, of course, the reason that is, we, we reprint things, but we also when to deliver a new game, we'll deliver it in six or seven. Excuse me, languages. Uh, for you. And uh, okay, thank you. They are they are watering me.
3: <laughs>
4: I am liquidizing. It is daunting to to, to handle it because remember board games are composed of many many little different parts, and <laughs> and, uh, and and a board game does not actually ship or that's supposed to ship, before that every single last part is, is, is finished and completed and ready to go. <laughs> uh, and uh, we can have many, many, many different parts of the chain that, that can break down, or people don't realize, oh, should I have started to write art descriptions yet? Or should I have, oops, uh, we, are the painting of these mirrors have, haven't started yet. I, we we, we've, we, we, uh, we didn't know that you were ready with the plastic. Uh, uh, there's so many, many, many types of communications and, and, and interlocking mechanisms need to happen in a manufacturing environment. Uh, the story I like to tell is when I started in the industry back in 95, and I Started doing the games in ninety seven. We used to go to distributor open houses, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's. what that means is that the, the big wholesale companies in the United States would open up their doors. They would bring in. They would bring in publishers. And they would bring in retailers, and we would have a barbecue, and they would shop in the warehouse, and it was, it was a lot of fun. There were some t shirts that they made at that time, and and they had a the logo of every single publisher that was that that was at the show, and there was maybe a hundred logos on there. And now there's two of them left. Two of them standing. Wow. Uh, it, it's it's uh, so you could take your t shirt off. It's, everybody. It's, yeah. No. There. Yeah. I did say the t- <laughs> T-shirt. I'm not going to cross. I'm not going to mark it up. But but it is it is a story I like to tell. It's and now it looks like this kind of T-shirt of tombstones. Yeah. Um. And and uh, it's it is it is tough. It is challenging because you're dealing with uh, you're dealing with some pretty tough uh, small business uh, problems of particularly in publishing because you're dealing with inventory. Yeah. Uh, you're dealing with how much do you invest in inventory? How much do you invest in not only the of course the development time? That's a whole secondary consideration. A lot of new people will have. Taken on the development time, you know, for free. They would have done it at night, so at weekends, and uh, while they have regular jobs. But once you start entering the idea of investing in inventories, it gets really challenging. Mm-hmm. You have to have some 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 good sense of your metrics. You have to be, have to be very careful. Uh, there's, there's the very obvious uh, alluring um, trap, which says, "I'm going to print five thousand of this, and my and my production cost is ten, yes. or I can print ten thousand, and my production cost per unit is six. Mm. I should print ten thousand because it's a much better production cost, oh, right? Oh, and, then, yeah. and then and then that that's a very alluring thing you know because your margin goes way up you're making a lot more money but if you only sell 3,000 um, you are, have a lot of inventory and, and most of your cash is, uh, is, is, is tied up in in, in brown what brown cartons in the what warehouse What
0: happens to board games you cannot sell?
4: Oh that's a secret Really? Yeah. Nobody nobody will tell you this. Uh, they all go to the land of the dead elephant board games, it's you know. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. <laughs> <on the door. laughs> exactly. Men men in black glasses and you know you know dark suits roll up in a truck, uh, and, and, and they take them to some undisclosed location. Um, some are destroyed. Uh, some are liquidated by uh, by a variety of means. Uh, we tend to hold on to most as long as we can, and not not everything dies the death of a zero per month. Uh, some of them will go down to maybe 10 a month or two a month, or sure. something like this. I, uh, um,
0: yeah, I think I, the, the story I always like to tell about, shut up and sit down, is um, we we played Arctic Scavengers. It's a deck-building game. Mm-hmm. It's really strong. And, uh, but it came out ages ago, and we played it. Right. Hang on, this is great. And then we heard all these words that, like, apparently they were like, Three or four thousand copies languish in a, in a warehouse for Europe and had been for four years,
4: and then they just right. vanished. And it was that was nice because you
3: liberated it liberated a It really Sierra. upset
0: me <laughs> that there were four. There was just take four. Th- imagine four thousand copies. It's, uh, it's
4: I, oh, I can imagine four thousand copies. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
3: imagine what it must be like. To, I mean, I think we have walls and walls of products in our house. I can't imagine what your life is like. Yeah, <laughs>
4: I mean, storage has cost. You know, I mean, uh, we we looked at. You know, we, we have a uh, in our warehouse. Uh, you know, our cost is maybe uh, let's say 100 dollars a pallet a year or something like that so if you have four thousand games you're dealing with of cost maybe four thousand dollars you to store them and uh and if that's not that doesn't really you don't really want to want, want to pay that if that's not justified then then they get you gotta you gotta move them
1: christian peterson again there oh he's a lovely man i do actually like him he did a good talk at the Fancy flight in flight thing which we were at jane con for and felt quite guilty in the fact that Somebody at Fantasy Flight said, "Oh, don't worry if you haven't caught the Fantasy Flight Infight. I think t- I said uh, other people <laughs> oh, as well. They were like, this. "Oh, um, some other people—they're filming it." Like, so they said, like, um, "Oh, I think Team Carbon they- and someone else." But we were in a tweet of being the people who were filming it, so as oh, if no. like people will be able to find out about it through Shut Up and Sit Down, and we're like, "Ooh, the thing that we did in that was well, actually, if you've seen the video, it was about." Three seconds of us being idiots. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. If
0: people haven't seen the Gen Con special, you absolutely should. You can just Google uh, Gen Con special, shut up, sit yes. down, and get taken right to it via the magic of the internet. Do,
2: do watch it. It's extremely good. And then you'll get to find out exactly what Queen's and Matt actually did in that thing, which <laughs> we is We spent a
1: lot of time with movement. <laughs> <laughs> it was more that, that was the, the video represents what we were doing when we weren't running around trying to do work. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, so...
0: Um, here's an interesting one Eric Mickles asks sorry this is I'm just launching it from me asking the questions to Christian to our audience asking the questions of us it's oh. the mailbag <laughs> Eric Mickles asks how do I get a game of two rooms and a boom to even happen Ooh. I'm not, I'm not going to answer that That's, that sounds it's quite obvious Have a party. But he said he said yes at most I can get 10 people together is that even worth it and to which I will say Eric 10 people is almost the perfect number You've got Destiny in your
1: hands. Just reach out and squeeze it. Reach out Ooh. and squeeze a few more people into your hands. Uh, just exactly, 10 laughing.
0: people is enough. Honestly, uh, the game kind of gets probably worse after about 16 people. So 10, 12, that's...
2: That's perfect, man. Actually, do that's it. a very good point. It can get kind of difficult to manage with uh, with too many people and it becomes a bit kind of stagnant. And then you've always got someone who goes, oh, I don't understand. I'm, I'm the spy. I'm, what do I do? And you go, oh, jeez.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the designer said that after... I can imagine you saying that as well, Paul. Um, the d- the designer uh, said that um, a lot of people just feel like they don't get the opportunity to talk to everybody because it is a 15-minute game. Yes. Um, and that if you've got 24 people or something, you can just play two 12-person games if you can handle it. Um, Christopher Jones, this is a question that's immediately going to cause us all to lapse into silence as we think about the answer. Um, but it's a big question, asks, what game mechanic is admirable but ultimately fails?
1: Uh, no. I'm making a noise So it's not silence. Yeah, I know I'm doing my best To make noise It's a really good question It's hard um, Theseus Theseus Yeah Theseus is what I was thinking
0: Theseus is always our go to game For like What <laughs> game did you think was good But it's not uh, They've just announced An expansion for it actually Which I neglected A bit of the Monday news Because it always feels Disingenuous for us to say Don't buy this game Also Here's some news As how it's getting on um, I feel like if you're rude that rude to a relative and disown them, then you can't show up. No, that's at, fair. At that's their house fair. for Christmas. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Theseus, of course, had a very interesting mechanic whereby it's kind of a station. The subtitle of that game is the Dark Orbit, or, um, where it's space station. It's circular, and all the characters are going round and round and round it like hands on a clock, mm. and you can try and go at different speeds. Um, and that's all relevant because um, you can set up traps and sentry guns and locked doors and webs and all but kinds
1: the thing of about all of that was it was that idea of, like, you could move around at different speeds, but then it became this sort of, there was an element of, if you back yourself into a corner, then you're going to only be able to do this. And I thought that that actually, that mechanic was represented and worked. The mechanic of... Uh, um, of the kind of circular movement with... Um, where the kind of decreasing s- scope of choices... Yeah, it's almost was, like... Um, it was like the the wheel of the bin of... What's it called? The bin of... The bowls <laughs> with the... The bin um, of bowls. Oh, um, with the
0: Romans... Uh, Trajan. Was...
1: Trajan. Trajan. The bin of bowls of Trajan. I thought that the Trajan um, system of how you kind of got things done by moving the little pits around the different bowls was really quite similar in, in theme to the idea that Theseus was going for. And actually that continued to be fun all the way through as a little side mechanic. I just think the way Theseus tried to make it the the kind of backbone of the design was really interesting when we were like start playing oh it's so cool and then it's like, no, this isn't cool at all. I don't like it. I want to go
0: home. <laughs> it's almost like Mario Kart or something in slow motion, right? Because mm. Mario Kart being like, I'll put a banana skin here and then I'll shoot something forward here. But ultimately you still have to go around the track and all the traps you put down appear in your face again Theseus is kind of like that except for dweebs um, <laughs> that's cruel how I might summarize it oh, yeah.
2: I, it uh, sort of makes sense in a way it's kind of uh, I, 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 I'm just saying I agree with you basically yes
0: do you have a game that you a mechanic that you oh you wish it worked Paul you wish it did I, but well, it does well the thing is
2: it's funny that you mentioned Theseus because that is a really good example of it and it's a game that would that felt like it was almost there there's so much in the game <laughs> but it wasn't cool. Yeah. So I don't know if I can even think of a better example That's of fine. That
1: the people have questions and the questions have spake thus I guess, I guess the problem ooh. with that question in general is you just think basically it boils down to what games are not good games.
0: Yeah, but some games um, have mechanics that I'm so excited. Well Fife yeah, being another example. Uh, yeah, no. Fife, Fife, Fife being is like marry sort of your friends, but then the yeah. question of who to marry is always obvious. Uh, MH Questus asks, Are you worried about shut up and sit down becoming too air quote corporate? Uh, How are you avoiding the trap... It's not air quotes if it's written down, it's just a quote. How are you avoiding the trap of just being adverts for game companies? And it's an interesting one. Um, I hope we've never been
2: that. I don't... Think we
0: have. i mean what well, we we kind of in a sense it's all we've ever been because we want to take games that are good we want people to buy them and in that sense we are an advert and we do get a lot of support from publishers and distributors but also it's it's yes consumers often consumer rights is often a different thing from you know publishers rights or what they want but also you know what publishers want to make great games yeah. and you want to buy great games and we're a facilitator between the two of you going hey these games are great it's actually as far as us becoming corporate goes an interesting thing happened i think when we visited the um f2z booth who's a big conglomerate that owns z-man and pretzel games and some other stuff at Jencon. because uh they did this thing whereby they gave us review copies but i think words getting around that we will we're one of the few reviewers who will just call a bad game a bad game and call an egg an egg and all that stuff well that's not we, a real phrase we call an do egg that, and egg. don't we uh, yeah and we, I think we do it's
2: entirely possible to have a professional relationship with a publisher where you like each other and they release the game and it's not very good and you say, Guys, I love you, but it's not very good that I have to tell people it's not very sure. good and tell them not to uh, buy it.
0: Right. And on the subject, what I found interesting is um when F2Z were talking to us and also Fantasy Flight, they know we they let us decide what we want to review because mm. they, they're not gonna say, Hey, here's a review copy of everything, which I imagine they do to a lot of other reviewers. Um you know, we'll just send them everything and everything will get a f- kind of fine review. With us, we'll be like, no, don't buy it. Stay away from it. It's poison. Don't touch it with a 10-foot <laughs> pole. And they don't want that either. So I think it's uh, people don't have to worry about Shut Up and Down and becoming too corporate and too much of an advert because, Jesus, we're only adverts when we want to be and publishers know that.
1: Yeah. I think also, yeah, as you say, it's, it's kind of a nice zone at the moment where... Um unlike in, you know, a lot of industries where you're kind of acting as a kind of reviewer media, like there can be a lot of cynicism, there can be a lot of people trying to pull fast ones. Yeah. Generally speaking at the moment, and I hope this continues to be the case, there seems to be a real lack of, a real a real sense of genuineness and enthusiasm where, as you say, like, you know, you have, you have publishers genuinely trying to put out games that are really good games mm. so that, that people will buy them and <laughs> people just want to play good games. So it's like... It's it is a strange one because as you say, we did set out to do this not to be like uh not to be like, oh, there's a sea of games out there and consumers, you need to buy the right ones. We just want to get more people playing games. Yeah, good games. And we want we want people playing good games as well, because often there's a real disconnect. It's not like with a lot of other things, it's not like with video games where you can well, until they all kind of collapsed, you could walk into a video game shop and they have everything and what do you choose? Whereas often now, like there are specialist board game shops, but you're either like I'm on Amazon what do I buy from all these games or like I'm in a, a like a mainstream kind of department store and they just have like tickets to ride or Monopoly. and mm. you know, it's it's we are in a world where there are so many amazing things out there that people just don't know about and we have't a capability to actually kind of so it is an odd one I mean we're we're kind of i'm I'm very proud of the um shut up and sit downs that kind of recommendation thing, which the badge we'll, that we yeah, started putting on things. We've yeah. started giving that out to publishers so that they can put that on games that we recommend. Mm, and that, I mean, that's an advert, but it also does help us
0: out. Um Yeah. It's all, I think, I think it's all fine. Really. Um, fine. I, the thing I, sh- I should admit to both of you is I almost, <laughs> this is not really a joke. I almost sold this out to Domino's. Because a, do- a, dom- a, a Domino's, PR. But listen, it's fine because I didn't. But don't
1: even like Domino's Pizza. It's overpriced rubbish. It, it's Ooh. okay if you
0: put double tomato sauce on it, and that becomes. That's really true weird.
1: with everything, though.
0: Anyway, tell us. So, tell us why you're awful. Well, they got in touch with me, and they said I wasn't awful, Matt. I was almost awful. They said, um, <laughs> they said, Look, hey, we've got this new Pizza Legends creator. I realise now they're getting. They're getting pressed anyway. They're the real winners. But they said, "We've got this new pizza legend creator. So you can create your pizza legend, and because you're a celebrity with this many <laughs> Twitter followers, if you create a pizza legend and share that link, so they your your fans can have the exact pizza that you like, um, then we'll give you a free pizza."
1: And I went, "That's fine." And then at the last second. I couldn't do it. I couldn't follow through. I'm glad you didn't. And now you've just given them some free PR for their pizza <laughs> things. Well, I'm just going to count that by saying pizza, all pizza hut, pizza. What's it called? Domino's? Awful. It's just fluffed up, foamy. Dumb. It's literally Goodness. just foam. It costs twenty pounds and has terrible processed junk on it. And you can make your own pizza for about two pounds, or just buy a better one. You are that uncool dad now, who's like miniatures. I'll make you a toy soldier. That's just as good. It's <laughs> not even just as good. The thing is, if you, if you're spending, if you were spending twenty quid on a on, a pizza, on an which infinity was a, which was brilliant, if it was a pizza that was awesome, yeah. fine. But they serve you like substandard gunk in a tub, and it's a plastic. <laughs> it's a wooden. No, it's not. It's a wooden. any of these. It's a wooden plastic these, tub, and there's foam in it. And there's people coming out of it. And I need to go and lie down. But
0: Domino's is awful oh christ i put my phone away with the questions on anyway i've
2: still got the image in my head of you sort of your finger on a mouse and you're about to tweet and there's a little bit of sweat coming down your brow it it was no it's fine i'm gonna go and
1: stand in the garden and just shout
0: why Why? (laughs) (laughs) um uh, and finally um alex uh says have you played five stars for suburbia yet question mark Thoughts? Question mark. Five stars being uh, an expansion for Suburbia, which I did manage to grab at Gen Con. I met oh, the lovely Ted Alspach, designer. Yeah. So, um, you have you played Suburbia, Paul? Of course, you We've have. Of course, reviewed it
2: together. Yeah, we reviewed yeah, it together. I've, <laughs> of I've actually played it a little bit uh, here recently, and missed it a little
0: yeah it, it's fantastic it really is although my friend has taught me a very powerful technique which is you just go all in for money and then all in for population after that but so Suburbia is a game about designing a really bad suburb where you can build a stationary shop and surround it with fast food joints and then surround that with really shit cheap housing and <laughs> win the game great. Um yeah but and then the first expansion Suburbia Inc added a load of stuff that's just so wonderful in terms of flavour when you are visualising your suburb like graveyards and canyon edges and casinos and affordable housing just It is a funny game. You have to trust us and look for the shut up and sit down Suburbia review. Uh, Google that if you uh, if you haven't already seen it. But five star Paul, oh my god, I got to tell you about it. It kind of adds a third resource to Suburbia because previous it's like what's your population and then how much money do you have, right? Whereas in five star, the new mechanic is um, there are all the new buildings in it have sort of like star ratings. So like let's say you've got a famous pizzeria. Like, a, not like a good one, like a delivery pizza place, because still, this is suburbia. But you've got a shit-hot pizza joint. You put that down, you get one star. And the person who's leading the pack, the person whose suburb is the most, like, prestigious in terms of just cool facilities, hmm. whether that's, like, um, a really weird uh, alien rock or a pizza place, um, gets more, more population every single turn. And the person who's last loses population every single oh, time. Oh, that's awesome! Because people oh, will dear. just move out because it's like, so I boring. Go live in the place with the cool pizza place. Yeah, exactly. So there's just
1: constant transfer of people to where the whereas, like the, the other people in the other town, like, oh, we only have dominoes. This is <laughs> awful. I hate dominoes. Uh, for example. For example, yeah, it's exactly that. Um, and the, but then it's it's basically just fifty
0: tiles of of just so exquisitely chosen things because they're they're good. They're pretty cool. It's like. Oh, it's, a, it's a house but the house looks a bit spooky and that is like that example of insuburbia as well that's, that's like what, it, what goes for a selling point in the world of suburbia so it's interesting um, and it like if, if you've solved suburbia or you've got kind of a good idea of how it works it just adds another a third resource and also because um you're not playing with any more tiles so you're just mixing all these new tiles in it means the game of Suburbia is a little more unpredictable because if your strategy is like
2: That's go all money then hey guess what maybe there won't be much money in this game mm. and you'll be screwed a thing I should very quickly add about Suburbia and food I don't know why I'm telling everyone this it's a weird confession uh, there's a tile in Suburbia called Fancy Restaurant, which is mm. uh, a good restaurant. You can have. Oh restaurants yeah, no, or,
0: it's hilarious because the Fancy Restaurant generates loads of money, but only until anyone opens up any other yeah, restaurant, and then it stops making you money. It's a
2: pretty good mechanic, uh, but for some reason, whenever I, whenever that tile appears, the song "Nothing Compares to You" comes into my head because there's <laughs> the line "Fancy," and I can't separate the two. <laughs> It's impossible for me to separate the two like it's uh, like i it's like I've been programmed by Russian spies, but instead of to kill anyone, I've just been programmed to hear that song every time oh. that tile flips until I die for the rest of my life. kind <laughs> <Well, Shanae> no- <laughs> of appears in my head every time I play suburbia, and it doesn't stop ever
1: now whenever I think of suburbia, I'm going to have in my head a mental image of you sitting alone. <laughs> Crying in a room, listening yeah. to "Nothing Compares." Look, not crying in a sad way, crying in kind of a beautiful way. But still, no, it's, it's just like sad. At the beauty of the tile, hmm, beauty of the moment, and the fancy restaurant, and just overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> I, I so thanks a, for that, Paul. I, Goodness. It, but- it, Suburbia
0: of course has my favourite manual ever because not only is it quite clean, but also it has um Ted Osbach in the special thanks uh, thanking Kesha for the music she makes because that got him through the development of that game. So when I finally met him this year, <laughs> um I uh, I said, Oh man, that's that special thanks to Kesha, that's awesome. And he was like, Oh, you saw that, huh? Yeah. Also, lots of the names in the um in the backer, in the thanks to backers um list aren't real people so now i (laughs) obviously haven't gone through it because it's like you know you know a lot of manuals these days will have 500 names of high tier kickstarter backers yeah um yeah apparently there are some people in there who definitely are kickstarter backers so i'm expecting like dead celebrities or just stupid names to be in there but yeah if you're bored at home um and like you're waiting for your domino's order then you can just read the suburbia manuals um list of
1: names if your domino's order to to die Good work.
0: <laughs> uh we forgot to do a folk game last week, didn't we paul do you, uh, do you want to raid the folk games document uh because every every yes. every podcast we get people to write in folk games, which is sort of like games that don't that you don't buy just just humble games that are passed down from mother to daughter and father to son um and they're free, and we read one out every time so every what time. you got for us paul
2: well uh let me let me clear my throat as I prepare for this one <coughs> Um. Um, I don't think we've covered this one before. I hope we haven't. I mean, it's entirely possible we have, and it was put out of my short-term memory by my own confused brain.
0: I mean, honestly, it's good enough that we can cover it twice and our audience will find it adorable that we're all ageing and, and dying.
2: I, I, I hope so, because it's called Sad Room. <laughs> it's been sent go. in by, by Nate Kushner, uh, and I'll, I'll read what he wrote. He wrote, <clears throat> Gentlemen, uh, I also have a folk game from around the same time in my life where I actually can claim to be among the inventors. It's called Sad Room, a semi-cooperative social deduction party game. Sounds, Sounds good. Sounds good, yeah. Pitting a team of people at the party who know the game is going on against a, game, a team of people who don't, which is sort of just antagonism or belligerence. Uh <sighs> sad room works best if played in a starkly delineated area of the party, especially one that must be entered through one specific door or arch. (laughs) I like that he says, or arch, (laughs) that you have an arch in your house. Um, A room at the party is designated as the sad room. Players sit in a circle or on available furniture looking miserable. That's the
0: line I love. The (laughs) idea that someone's perched on the kitchen (coughs) counter. Sort of looking out of the window and like you just look like a band photo from the 80s.
2: Well, the thing is, I can imagine this in my head. He says, players sit in a circle or on available furniture, looking miserable, staring into the middle distance, drinking, possibly smoking, probably trying not to laugh. Anyone who wanders into the sad room is an unwitting player of sad room. And the round begins... Each knowledgeable player is permitted to speak one miserable monosyllable to each new person who enters the room and must remain silent and downward-looking thereafter for the rest of the round. The sad room wins a point when the wanderer feels awkward and exits the sad room. If the wanderer, for whatever reason, decides to sit down in the midst of the sad room or somehow makes a sad room player laugh or break character, then the sad room loses the round and the Wanderer is invited to be a willing participant in the next round of sad room. (laughs) (laughs) It's not bad, is it? It's kind of silly, but I think it's
1: great because also, I think what I like most about it is it's kind of a joke about that existing in parties. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, not so much these days, but um, because, you know, parties, when you're kind of an adult, end up being a bit different. But when you're kind of a student, parties kind of end up being these odd things that span the entire house and when you share with other people it becomes this thing of you know obviously most people end up in the kitchen but then people end up going into bedrooms and sometimes the bedroom will be like just that person's friends hanging out in there with them being anti-social god they always do that, don't they? yes adam or they'll have like <laughs> you know cool people like me who'll just let anyone go in there and just be like yeah you can use my room just don't break anything don't mm-hmm. nick anything do what you want. But then every now and then you walk in and you find your bedroom has turned into like the coolest hip place in the whole party. And you're like, whoa, who the fuck are you guys? You've ruined my curtains somehow, but you seem <laughs> to be having an awesome time, so I don't really care. But other times you walk in and just find it's just weird, miserable pockets. Usually it used to be of people, people smoking drugs. And you'd be like, oh, wow, this is the bad room. And you walk in and have that awkward moment of being like, well, I don't want to stay in here. So...
0: How do I leave? But I have a, a... There's an unbelievable... This is a real-life story of... Um, do you remember... Was it 2004 when the tsunami... The, the super tsunami hit Asia and... Uh, God, was it 2004? I can't remember what year it was. it was. I it remember. Yeah. It might, it might have been. But yeah, obviously, like, unfathomable... Genu- literally unfathomable, like, damage done to human property. Like, hundreds of thousands of lives lost... And I wasn't at this party, but it was my housemate at the time. It was her party. And then someone was like, someone turn on the news, turn on the news. And they were reading about the tsunami. And they all had to process this. And it was like quite late in the evening. It was like 11. Uh, and all but one of them <laughs> were watching the news and they had nothing to say. And they all fell silent. And then one of the women at the party who was a nurse who, you know, dealt a lot with human suffering and, and uh, sort of disaster relief who could? was the only person who could actually realise how much grief and suffering there was happening in the world at that moment she started crying like sobbing very gently to herself at this point a gentleman whose name I don't know but we'll call him Bill enters the
3: room
0: obviously like the music's still playing doesn't really process what's happening doesn't notice A. the crying girl or B. the news report and essentially goes on like no one's able to say anything but apparently it was in the region of 60 seconds of him being like hey guys what's happening oh man I gotta tell you I saw that episode of Game of Thrones and not noticing he's the only person talking but I mean that 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 existed, and um, and
1: yes, the sad room is just so wonderfully like plausible. Somehow. It is. I, I don't know. I just I can't remember any specific examples. But I know that when I've been to like parties that have either been like kind of big warehouse style parties or house parties or something, you know, when I was younger and more interesting and exciting, <laughs> uh, uh, you used to have these moments where you kind of think, "Oh, wander around, see what's going on." You just have a look around, see what's going, and then you'd have a room where you just walk in and everyone would just sort of turn and look at you and then you just sort of walk out <laughs>
0: i want to i want to focus on the monosyllable rule so what is this Paul? like you you're on like a chaise long. you know you're looking into the middle distance I am. someone comes up to you and says i guess you just say hey or like yeah but you could do it uh, or even a, Psh. I,
2: I like, think probably noises are valid but i think you have to think of good it's like a word Monosyllabic words, and obviously, yes and no work in that context, but. But then uh, then they just keep talking to you. Like, you
0: you get, like, I say, uh, is this the. Is everything okay in here? And you're like, no. No. And then they ask you something else, and you can't respond. No, they They do what I do.
1: If you walked in and went, is everything okay? And you went, no. They'd probably be like, okay <laughs> and then maybe talk to someone and else like god leave. yeah but that's a point for you you've won that's the winning the game I just like the idea that all of the times I've ever been at a house party and I've walked into a room and it's just been incredibly weird and awkward and everyone's been really quiet and miserable and I've been like Jesus this isn't a party I'm going back to the kitchen that maybe they were just playing this game <laughs> that, that it is entirely possible it's just been going on for years and then as soon as I shut the door thinking whoa those guys are not having a fun party time like I am they've all high-fived each other and gone Yeah we won let's play again which is uh
0: is great I mean okay so how many people are you guys imagining this because I was just I was running the numbers in my head and I'm like with two people two people being sad in a room that's still pretty funny if you have ridiculous gothic <laughs> poses but then
1: also like what's the upper limit could yeah. you have like 16 people it's like sad sardines really isn't it yeah and also the problem is it's a game you can only play like once in your house before people know what it is. Yeah. So it's it is it's the sort of game that I wish I knew about when I was younger yes. and going to parties because you could introduce people to it at house parties with strangers and then you could basically have fun with it that night and then... Yeah do it somewhere else. And this is definitely I. one to be filed alongside that Australian
0: dude who wrote in describing the game of like all the lights being off and then you dare each other to take clothes yeah, off. Yeah, it's, If it's, you haven't heard that one, do go back about four or five episodes and the shut up and sit down I half. I feel
1: fast. like we're turning into Grandpa Shut Up and Sit Down going, oh, this sounds like a great game to be enjoyed by the young uns. Unfortunately, I'm far too old now for these things. I still hear
0: myself say it. When I, when I, like, was it last episode I was talking about role-playing games and being like, I'd like to have a six or seven hour open stretch to just pretend to be an elf. And I heard myself <laughs> saying it and I was like, that is not something that parents have. That is there is no way to have a block of seven hours to like
2: Seven elf help. hours.
0: Matt it, for now at home is shaking his head and looking very nervous. No.
2: No. I wanna do that now. I wanna have seven hours as an elf. <laughs> we can well, haven't remember. done you that can for do. a while.
1: It's it's the morning where you are, right? Just spend the rest of the day doing that. I've got, I've got to, I've got, got a. He doesn't. He doesn't have anything to do. You've got nothing to do. Just, just put That's some. Not funny true. <laughs> Put some blue tack on your ears. Make yourself an elf. Just go for a little gallopant.
0: Just dance around. Stay on the Skype call, Paul. Uh, everyone else, goodbye. See We're, you later. Uh, we've got some important business to attend to. Indeed. Uh...